hello viewers and listeners. You are tuned in to the World Transform TWT FM. I'm here with my co-host, Freddie. Good to see you, Tim. I mean, it's been about five minutes since the last one, but still enjoying it. <laughs> Good to reset. Uh, and we're excited to be joined in the studio today by none other than Eleanor Penny. Hello. Hi, Eleanor. Good How to are you be doing? Here. I'm great, yeah. Sunny right. weather. Deposing Tom Tom Watson uh, went awry, but we're not we're not letting that dampen our spirits. <laughs> has, that, has that has that fallen? Has it? Is yeah. That's definite, is it? I yeah. So. so I mean, like, there's an internal review, uh, but yeah, it was kind of it was kind of the best and worst possible timing, right? Because if you want to oust someone who's done exactly the opposite of what they're elected to do uh, in some way that looks even vaguely democratic, you need to bring it to conference, right? Because yep. that's the way you approximate some kind of accountability, closing the gap between membership and leadership, all that good stuff. Yep. But it means that, um, you know, the conversations are not at the moment on Green New Deal yeah. or four-day working week or worker ownership or all of these kind of amazing transformative policies that have been put to the conference floor yeah. and are getting zero media attention. And obviously, it's hard to get media attention for those kinds of things mm. anyway because they are very much, uh, <laughs> very much run counter to the material interests of the people who are programming uh, yeah, yeah. mainstream media what? in a lot of cases. But, you know. In which case, maybe we should move from Tom Watson and do the <laughs> yeah, media's yeah. job for them and talk a little bit about DWT and what you're going to be up to over the next couple of days. Um, over the next couple of days, um, I'm going to be doing a few workshops. Uh, the, there's one tomorrow about, um, it's a creative writing workshop I'm doing with um, two other people, um, Sharifa and Amber, and they're both like amazing writers. And we're doing a workshop, the conceit for which is that we are all going to Mars and we need to write new constitutions and manifestos and different types of political writing. It's essentially a uh, fun excuse to get together and try to use the tools of creative writing to imagine the world otherwise. Because that's basically the first movement of politics, right? To throw off the <laughs> promises of uh, Tina, the end of history, all that kind of thing, and actually get down to the detail of like, okay, we know what we don't want. We know what we want to avoid. Yeah. But if we're going to give people hope, we need to form an, a concrete series of offers of what that transformation would look like to them. And I take it Aaron Bastani is going to be there with his uh, mining of asteroids. <laughs> Aaron Bastani goes with me everywhere I go. <laughs> right, right. It's interesting. I, I think I've done like the opposite creative writing exercise at one point where, you know, where like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where you have to describe a familiar object as though you were a Martian coming down to Earth Martian and poetry, it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this is going up to Mars and... I we're, guess Mars could be anywhere. We're reinvigorating Martian poetry. Yeah, we're using <laughs> Mars to kind of like try and grab or like like wrestle yeah, yeah. The, the space imaginary away from the Elon Musks and Jeff Bezoses yeah. of this world. And I'm I'm completely fascinated by the kind of um, they're so mentality un unimaginative. Of that. Those guys, aren't they? So yeah. like, I feel like it's, we should be able to do better than Elon Musk reinventing the train <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like that that's a kind of interesting uh like interesting political phenomenon right because it is it sounds ridiculous but practically speaking they're reinventing the bus or whatever yep. in situations where actual public services have been um completely decimated mm. and so what they're doing is they're kind of trying to 
proxy a system of essentially great public services and social democracy, but only for mm. the mega mega wealthy, right? Like there's a reason that th there is yeah. like um, a series of what we would describe as reinventions and it's all about market capture. Yep. Um, and it's, well, I mean, this is precisely what um, the forays into space are about as well. It's often a kind of weird, weirdly couched in either the language of like total utopianism or this kind of weird shrugging um, thing that Jeff Bezos does, um, which like maybe he thinks it's funny, kind of appears really dumb, is, uh, well, you know, I have so much money. Mm. There's literally no other investment that makes sense yeah. other than to go uh, into space. And, you know, when you've just um, cut your healthcare for like <laughs> thousands of your workers, that rings a little hollow, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, also, I mean, I was saying like, we should be more imaginative yeah but also i think sometimes that like that imagination gets sort of fetishized and it's like you know the solution has to be something really out there really mm -hmm. like weird that we've never seen before and actually sometimes saying saying the obvious thing or like you know we need more <laughs> buses kind of thing, yeah. or like we need to like feed all the hungry people in the world or like you know employ more teachers or whatever yeah it doesn't have to be a like you know, I, and I think sometimes I that sort of Silicon Valley people, they, they're they sort of, I mean, apart from all the other things that's bad about them, they also <laughs> love a really super clever yeah, solution yeah. that's never <coughs> been thought before. And it's like, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things going on there, really. Um, and you're completely right to point out that um, that Silicon Valley is, is high on its own sense of boy wonder like post hippie entrepreneurialism right and that is, is very much bound up with a, a popular idea of like what creativity and imagination means and it is that creative progress in you know however you want to cash that out happens via a few unique geniuses who are somehow removed from history and have the ability to see beyond it yeah. and they are the kind of vanguard who um around which the rest of history is formed and you know what social movements down the years have tried to do is to, to push back against that and think about creativity as a collective process and also creatives as people who are very much in and of their historical time period but also i don't think we should soft pedal the extent to which that things which you know us all on the sofa would think of as obvious yeah. fundamentally challenge the yeah. idea the ideas on which our society is funded like talking about like feeding all the hungry people that's such a a bizarre kind of naive mm. um utopian in the worst sense concept for a lot of people because yeah. you know i mean because it would require shifting our perspectives in terms of market economics yeah. and the idea of merits and the idea of like what the social good is that I think there is this sense of layering that like within the obvious solutions within the solutions that are you know far more obvious to the literal children <laughs> going yeah. out on strike mm -hmm. um, around the world than they are to people with you know three PhDs in economics there is that kind of that that kind of complexity and that kind yep. of challenge to our you know something that's called common sense for a reason right? yep. because people there are people who have control of what the commons means yeah yeah
Well, I see it in um, the sort of people who are uh, very sort of, they sort of fetishize a quantitative approach to like being successful politically. And it's like, well, if you look at this opinion poll and that opinion poll, yeah. then you can see that like <coughs> we should be doing this. Yeah. And it's like, in reality, as you say, like, you know, you can get overwhelmed in that complexity and you can see uh, some of these forces as like very solid when in fact they're contingent and actually, uh, yeah, I guess one of the things that the Corbyn project has shown, not necessarily conclusively yet, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of evidence <laughs> that if you come up with an offer that's like actually inspirational and actually is solid and is imaginatively convincing, like, mm you know, the best, the most imaginative novels or whatever aren't the ones that are like, you know, the definition of it is that, you know, it's worthwhile and people want to read it and things like that. Yeah. yeah, if you come up with a political project like that, then you can attract people to it. And yeah, I, th I think this is way. where I'm, I'm interested in why and how that hasn't happened around questions of immigration because right? um, and questions of policing because right. th those are two areas in which I... You know, I'm I'm pretty critical of uh, Labour's policy stances on both of them. Obviously, they're way better than the Conservative Party, but that's not that's not a metric pretty that we bar, should be yeah. using. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The bar is in hell. Um, but um, <laughs> I think we need to recognise that the Corbyn project came out of all the energy that's now been funneled into the Corbyn project. A lot of them came out of specifically anti-austerity movements yeah um I, you know i know people who i who i met on demos i skipped school to go do back in like 2011 um and you know now those people are like you know advisors to mps or whatever and it was just extremely strange um but also that movement like a lot of purely economic and purely kind of like reductionist class-based movements in this country had a massive blind spot in terms of race and in terms of how that affected um, and how that was um, how that was enabled by the state and its relationship to the police like a lot of people on the austerity movements were outraged at cuts to the police and you're actually like no this is the police are one of the institutions by which austerity is enforced and like maybe we shouldn't be getting um mm. uh getting quite so outraged about this and that blind spot has you know translated into a lot of the um uh, a lot of the kind of where the Corbyn project more broadly has been uh, quite timid and quite you know shying away from things that, as you say, are con interpreted as sort of givens or yeah. just kind of solid facts of yeah. the composition of the UK and the composition of the working class and what that kind of working class is assumed to think. And that kind of presumed bigotry, essentially, on the part of like working class people is A, factually inaccurate, yeah, B, stupid, yeah. wildly patronizing, and C, you know, as we've seen, only bolsters a conservative yeah. world picture in which the working class is something that to be pandered to with racism whilst other people get on with the real business of mm. like economic mm. brokering and i'm not saying the austerity movement is to blame for labor party racism <laughs> but i'm just saying that the, those parallel processes are like interesting mm. to interesting to see and anyone who wants to 
think about the Corbyn project not just as like we'll get a good guy in and he'll just kind of sort it out for us but actually about transforming the state yeah mm. these are these are fundamental questions and they are absolutely as fundamental as worker ownership or well, whatever well that's where the world transformed comes right back in right back nice. in and we got spoiled a little bit there um, at the start from talking about writing about martians oh yeah where do we so where tell we us begin? about the other panels yeah. that you're looking forward yeah, to we've done one panel we've done one four. panel <laughs> how, long, how long do you have um, so I'm also doing the live Trash Future podcast at 1pm on Monday which should be a lot of fun awesome I have no idea what it's going to be on yet but um, you know as we've seen in the past couple of days uh, things change very quickly in politics so you know you just show up and you uh, you have a good time and we make dumb jokes <laughs> and uh, and yeah everyone everyone packs up it's great um, Where, where's that happening do you know? I should know. That's I right. should know the answer to that. Don't um, worry, we Google can, it. You can check it out on the World Transformed yeah. website. Hey, on, shouldn't you on know? On the programme. We should know, shouldn't we, Ten? Do you know? Uh, no. Oh, it's how embarrassing. Trash Futures it's online anyway. You'll, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to like... Yeah, I think it's like being... Um, patch into it or something. Catch into it? Patch in. I thought it said catch into it. I was like, what is this, <laughs> what is this <laughs> technical <laughs> lingo I have no idea about? Okay, cool. There's a reason we're not behind the microphone. Okay, that's two. Dealt with. Trash Future. Dealt with. We're steaming through these. Moving on. We are to our... Uh, listeners, we've got Riley from Trash Future Podcast on tomorrow, so we'll, we'll ask him yep. when the panel is. <laughs> when is Will it? he know? What is it on? Jury's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Tell Stay him to tuned. text me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then on that evening, seven thirty to nine pm. Again, don't don't ask me where. We've got um, uh, femini- feminism, feminists against the far right, um, winning at the dinner table. Mm. And so the premise of that is that so it's a workshop with um, uh, six sort of speakers on it. And it comes out of the observation that um, there's a lot of slippage between men's rights movements, men's rights activists, um, and people who you know, don't even couch themselves in the, <laughs> in the glamour of men's rights activism, but are just kind of straight up internet misogynists mm. um, coming out of Gamergate and that kind of thing. Those sorts of constituencies and uh, the online far right. Like yeah. a lot of the times those are the same people and they were trained in kind of like, you know, internet psychological warfare through 2012, 2013, 2014, when like MRA movements were really taking off. Um, there is also the um, overlap between um, like political, capital P political misogyny um, in Westminster, in the Senate, in the US, these kinds of places, and um, the people and the far right in, uh, okay. in institutions. So will this There's be also like- um, a lot of... Um, just sort of ideological overlap because if anyone has written uh, written <laughs> hope no one's written read a like these far right um like <laughs> online screeds um a lot of their world pictures are based on deeply sexist yeah. um deeply sexist worldview and so what we thought what we thought is that we need to as part of organizing against the far right as women as feminists we need to start combating these ideas where we find them because mm-hmm. there's a lot of like casual sexism that a lot of people would cop to a lot of people would hear from uh, their uncles and or whoever and think like oh, it's not it's not that bad like i'll let that one slide um that 
steadily, steadily build up a consensus around like deeply, mm. deeply dangerous ideas. And so while we're not talking about like, let's debate the fascists till they're not fascists anymore, mm. we are thinking about how do we seed different kinds of ideas in our homes, in our workplaces, in you know where we are, because that's part of building the struggle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. And uh, I like this sort of debating the far right, but there's also <laughs> like, I don't know, when, you know, I've had colleagues and, you know, peop- friends and things like that who you do see them sort of going down that trajectory and like, you know, one minute it's a Jordan Peterson video yeah. and then, <laughs> yeah. you know, the it, it does <laughs> it just come in and like, and I think that, you know, it's, I don't know, I, I almost think it's a bit sort of patronising again to like, assume that certain people are just completely beyond like hope or something and and also that like uh, i don't know that i think it's it, I, I'm, i'd be really interested to come to the panel basically to think come. about how <laughs> to, to have these conversations how, how does that differ what do you what sort of things are you doing in the so we want people to be kind of getting stuck in to unpack these ideas there's going to be i think yeah there's gonna be um six different um speakers slash panelists slash workshop leaders okay um there is amelia horgan there is um rosie warsdale um sita balani camille um bob gallo and i'm so sorry Ah, i've forgotten number five um it's definitely there's another one i'm so sorry (laughs) i love you and you're brilliant (laughs) and i will see you on monday um uh and we're all kind of essentially providing materials and providing some kind of structure and ideas but then the idea the idea is that people who come to the sessions will like go to one or other of the tables and yeah. um, we're each taking one kind of sort of family concept from far-right misogynist ideology mm-hmm. and thinking about how that manifests both in like the home and everyday life whatever and uh, in the you know, proper signed up far right and thinking about okay if we encountered like these different iterations of it what do we think of them mm-hmm. uh, so we all kind of get a collective understanding yep. like a collective analysis mm. of it um, and also how would we combat it and you right. know um, and that's it will be a sort of active process of like thinking and talking through them and yeah I think we're going to have uh, you know, a combination of discussion presentations and uh, people will be able to sort of sample different bits from different tables and chat about them and yeah it's going to be it's going to be fun and it's and it's specifically designed so that like you know you don't need to have read like feminist theory or whatever to just like show up because we have like it's it's geared at a lot of sort of different levels of engagement yeah. Sounds like exciting stuff. So you've got the Martian writing, <laughs> you've got the Trash Future Pod, and you've got the Feminism Workshop. Yeah. Is there one more you said? There's one more. There's um, on Tuesday, um, also at 1 till 2.30. Um, and I do know the venue for this one. Yay, it's at 68 <laughs> Middle Street. There we go. Nice. Um, myself and a brilliant guy called AJ Chowdhury are co-hosting a kind of somewhere between a workshop and an interactive panel if you like um talking about conspiracy theories it's called conspiracy theories the socialism of fools (laughs) or something like that 
uh, should know the title off by heart, but you know, we all have our strengths. <laughs> um, and it's talking about essentially how conspiracy theories operate, um, why they're such a kind of powerful organizing logic, especially mm. for the far right, um, why they're on the rise at the moment, and also as a, it's an attempt to sort of discuss how the links between like the structure of conspiratorial thinking and um, you know some tendencies that can appear in our own movements right because like there are a lot of kind of common mm. precepts between things that slide into conspiratorial thinking and things which are either um, you know structural analyses or things that you know have turned out to be true and that's the real challenge for people who want to draw lines in the sand between like this is bullshit conspiratorial thinking that is only designed mm. to kind of channel people's rage away from the more obvious sources of power um, and ones that, you know, are rooted in, like, the factual observation that, like, there is a process of, like, elite guardianship of power. For instance, yep. Watergate yes. was yep. dismissed as, like, you know, conspiratorial. And yep. it kind of was... It had some elements mm -hmm. of that. Um, but fundamentally, it was also rooted in fact, yeah. right? And, yeah. uh, and it was, it lived and died on its uh, facticity. And yeah, that's yeah. one of the main kind of, you know, hallmarks, if you like. Um, and yeah, so what we're going to be doing, um, going through different uh, instances of conspiracy theories. Um, mm. uh, sadly, no flat earth. Even though, <laughs> come on! I know it's the one it's everyone the, wants. It's Liberal the gatekeeper, <laughs> leftist the gatekeeper. What they come want. on! <laughs> um, I know, sad, sadness overtakes my life. There's a really great T-shirt called um, like uh, which has just sphere cuck on it, which is what um, <laughs> flat earthers call people who believe that the Earth is really? a sphere. Wow! I know, it's beautiful. <laughs> I want one. Yeah, yeah. If I want to post it to the Rara office, um, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and we're taking we're taking those and unpacking like how they work, and also um, thinking of them not just as very recent phenomena which have sprung out of the internet, yeah. but really tracing their their deeper origins in British political life mm. and in the kind of genesis of like capitalism yeah. more generally, because a lot of um, a lot of conspiracy theories that we would now recognise like. The Rothschilds, yeah, for instance, yeah. develop alongside um, and are pushed by the very industrialists who are like theoretically, um, you know, theoretically guilty of some of the things, you know, levelled at, you know, lizards, Jews, agents of destruction, whatever, um, in these conspiracy theories. I think it was. Um, yeah, no, it was it was Henry Ford of all yep. people who was responsible for um, propagating the uh, protocols of the Elders of Zion. He did this massive, massive print run of uh, talking about a um, a secret cabal yeah, of Jewish people uh, overrunning the world, and you're like, I'm pretty sure the person with the power here yep. is you, yeah. Henry. Like, what are you? Yeah that kind of we're unpacking those kinds of things we're going to be talking but about Boris I mean there's, the, right. there's obviously a tension that you've identified as well in that like you know it is true that uh, there are 
you know, power is not distributed equally in mm-hmm. the world, and there are extremely powerful individuals, and not all of their machinations happen out in the open. Yeah. But yeah, so it's somehow like sort of integrating that analysis into a more sort of systemic critique, or yeah, I, th- I think it's it's that. To think of think of it, it's called the socialism of of, of fools because it's taken from the August Babel quote talking about anti-Semitism, right? And yep. anti-Semitism um, takes a very conspiratorial form a lot of the time um, because you know that's that's where it's rooted. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's more about thinking, distinguishing between a structural analysis. And a conspiracy theory is precisely the urgent task we have ahead of us, right. because um, a conspiratorial analysis is very kind of, or can be quite attractive to the to um, to people who are just pissed off, to people yeah. who are yeah, who yeah. are um, who are will cop to the very accurate observation that power is concentrated in very small areas, that power operates with you know very little. Um, very little accountability and these kinds of things. These are like very much leftist precepts, leftist axioms mm. um, that unless we are very, very disciplined and sharp with our collective analyses, our collective organising, um, are, are very easily jumped on by either the far right or just like wrong-headed, unhelpful, damaging sections of uh, of the left and you know we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about labor anti-semitism guys and i can't <laughs> yeah, you love it can't <laughs> wait love it love it so well, much i think we might have to cut that fascinating conversation short because we're getting <laughs> signals from behind the camera that we should probably wrap <laughs> this episode up so eleanor penny thank you so much for joining us Pleasure. on the twt fm sofa uh tin great session again as always absolutely freddie um <laughs> thank you very much for joining us